everyone and welcome back to my channel. So today I have another family involved video getting to interview and include a family member and work on, you know, the research portion of the video in collaboration with a family member of a victim is just so helpful. Today, we are going to be talking about Angela Green, who is technically missing. However, her daughter, Ellie, who is going to be joining us today, thinks that she is no longer alive. Normally, I work with families remotely and have them send in clips, but this time I actually got to bring Ellie into my studio where I record my podcast, Mile Higher, and ask her questions in person, which was really nice. So as always, when I bring a family member on this channel, I just want to put a reminder out there to please be extra kind in the comments as sometimes family members do look at the comments. Before you say something, ask yourself, is it helpful? Is it kind? You guys are normally pretty good about that, but I like to put that little disclaimer out there. Oh, and before I start, I wanted to give a little bit of a disclaimer that some aspects of this case have been intentionally omitted to protect the investigation into the disappearance of Angela Green. That means that there may be some details that we have chosen not to include that have been covered elsewhere. However, I ask that you respect the way that we have decided to tell this story. Obviously, I want to make sure that my content never hinders an investigation and law enforcement is working diligently to solve this disappearance. So I ask that you please respect that decision that Ellie and Michelle have chosen to not include certain things to protect the integrity of the case. So Angela was born in Hebei, China, which I have found several different pronunciations of Hebei. It's quite possible I am saying this wrong, so apologies in advance. But she was born there in 1968, and she lived in this province with her parents and her sister, Catherine, throughout her childhood and her early adult life. But in her 20s, she was introduced to a man named Jeff Green by a mutual friend. Jeff was temporarily in China, working as a mechanic and a salesman. Angela and Jeff hit it off, and they had their first date at the Hard Rock Cafe in Beijing. In the first year that they were dating, they were long distance and they were communicating mainly through the mail. Now, Jeff was 13 years older than Angela, and he also was previously married and had a daughter from that marriage. However, that information was kept from Angela in the first year that they were dating. So a year into their long distance relationship, Angela decides to move to America and start a new life with Jeff. This was a huge adventure for Angela. She was quite afraid moving to America. She was still in her 20s and she moved to Prairie Village in Kansas. And obviously this was a totally new world for her. It was definitely culture shock. And although her ability to speak English was pretty limited. She could read and write in English just fine. And the longer that she was in America, she began speaking more and more English, and it became the primary language spoke in their household, mainly because Jeff could not speak Mandarin. And after a few years of dating, Jeff and Angela decided to get married and start a family of their own. Then in 2000, Angela gave birth to Ellie, who instantly became her entire world. Angela was an extremely devoted mother. She loved her daughter more than anything. She put all her time and effort into raising her, so much so that she stayed at home full time while Jeff kept his job working at the federal courthouse in Missouri, just 25 minutes from their home in Prairie Village. So they're right on that border of Missouri and Kansas. And Ellie ended up being an only child. And of course, as an only child, she spent a lot of time with both of her parents. And they were a relatively, you know, low-key and private family. So spending time with just each other was totally normal for them. Angela and Ellie were especially close and spent a lot of time together. Ellie describes her mother as incredibly kind, selfless, and just that type of person that would put others before herself always. So my relationship with my mom was very loving. I knew I was loved all the time. She poured her whole heart into raising me. She has always really tried to raise me with good morals and have a lot of class. Education was very important to her and would put lunchbox notes in my little bag every day. She really was an amazing person and a really kind person. I was like super, super lucky to have her. She'd stay up all night making costumes for my friends in elementary school for our like plays. Like she just went above and beyond. Christmas was my mom's favorite holiday. That wasn't something that she had in China, so she came over here and really loved it. She would 
wrap a whole lot of resins for me put them all under the tree several weeks before was very well prepared and when the day came she would set up her camera stand out of like books and tissue boxes and whatever we had nearby and she would um, record me opening all of the gifts and if she missed one or I didn't open it well enough with enough excitement or whatever, she'd rewrap it and I'd have to do it again. So Angela's sister, Catherine, also lived in Kansas with her family and her children. Michelle, one of Catherine's children, spent a lot of time with Angela, Jeff, and Ellie until she was 10 years old and her family moved to New York City. Michelle says that Angela played a huge part in raising her as well, and she has a lot of memories of her. So she is also going to be joining us today to help tell Angela's story. Angela Green is my aunt. She's my mom's younger sister. And when she first came to the U.S., she lived with my family until she moved in with Jeff. And we would have sleepovers together and um, we'd lay in bed and read magazines and she would like make makeup for me out of rose petals and we'd like dab it on our cheeks and our lips. And um, she would take me to parks and museums and we were very close. So after moving to New York, Catherine felt like her relationship with her sister became a bit strained. I mean, aside from the physical distance between their families, Catherine noticed that Angela started kind of distancing herself. When they did speak on the phone, one thing that Catherine thought was kind of strange is that Angela always wanted to speak in English, even though they grew up speaking Mandarin. And she believes that Angela did this mainly because Jeff wanted her to, that he wanted her to speak in a language that he understood, even if she was talking to her sister. But Ellie's relationship with her parents remained stable and close as she continued to grow up. Although she did notice that their relationship to each other seemed to change a bit. She said it almost began feeling like a business partnership and not a marriage. Angela also started developing some antisocial tendencies and often dealt with a lot of anxiety. She didn't like driving, and if she went somewhere, she normally wanted Jeff or Ellie to be with her. She did not like going places by herself. And Ellie has said that she believes that this was mainly because of the language barrier. So that brings us to 2019. That year, Ellie was in college, but like a lot of students, she actually spent that summer studying abroad in Europe. She had a great time, and after the program ended, Ellie returned to Kansas. She was 18 at the time, and of course, being abroad gave her a new sense of independence, and she planned to continue exercising that independence and adulthood back at home. And for any parent, of course, it's hard to see your child gain their independence and no longer need you in the same way that they did you know, when they were younger. And this was the case for Angela. She had always loved taking care of her daughter. And so seeing her become an adult and kind of letting go in a sense was really difficult for her. But she was very excited that she was coming back from Europe. She anticipated spending a lot of time with her when she returned. But when Ellie got back to Kansas, she wanted to spend a lot of time with her friends and her boyfriend and made a lot of plans for that summer. And this was difficult for Angela. Even having Ellie go away to college was very hard for her to accept. She had a really strong attachment to her daughter. And when Ellie came home and wanted to spend a lot of time with her friends and her boyfriend and making all these plans, that really upset Angela. So there was an argument between Angela and Ellie on June 19th, 2019. This was a typical mother-daughter fight. I'm sure a lot of you out there have had similar fights with your own mother. But this argument actually escalated to the point where Ellie was asked to leave. She was kicked out in her own words. I had been studying abroad in Italy for a month and I came back home. I'd started working again at Union Station in Kansas City and I could tell she was like anxious and, and had difficulty like processing that I had gone off to college and was more independent and I didn't have to rely on her as much. She kicked me out on, I think it was the fourth day that I had been at home. Yeah, she had been yelling at me for things that like had happened 10 years ago. Um, I still will never understand why she had kicked me out before. I'd never like escalated to that point. So she grabbed all of her stuff and headed to her boyfriend's house, whose name is Zach. He lived just a few miles up the road in Fairway. But I expected to see her within the next 
day. I had never spent anywhere else overnight and she would not be okay with that. And of course I was upset. I wanted an apology from her. The last thing she said to me was, you and I were done, we're over. So that's powerful and that definitely hurt. And that's why I didn't go back home right away. But I, I also knew she didn't mean that. But the next day, Ellie gets a text from her father saying that he has gone to stay with his brother and sister-in-law brad and marva so she decides to stay with her boyfriend a little longer and she figures a few days will be good for her and her mom you know give them some time to let things cool down but then on june 23rd jeff texts ellie saying that angela had been taken away to a hospital to receive treatment for her mental health and this text came in early that morning just after 8 a.m he told ellie that she could come home whenever and that he would be at the house organizing then he followed up with her later that evening telling her that he would need some help going through her things her mother's things. And she agreed to help, but was understandably pretty upset about all of this. So of course, Ellie felt confused about what was going on. And so she asked her dad specifically what had happened. And Jeff explained that he took her to a parking lot where they were met by mental health people. He also tells her that it was a struggle to get her to go with them. But by doing it in public, he said that he saved her the embarrassment of having her taken away in her house clothes or having strangers see an untidy house. Now, Angela, who was 51 at the time, did struggle with her mental health. And this was something that Ellie knew. So it wasn't a complete surprise. But but she also didn't feel like the problems that Angela had had really warranted her being taken into protective custody. And the fact that Jeff wanted to go through Angela's personal items and organize them, and that he wanted her help with that, felt weird to her. If she was only temporarily gone, why would her things need sorting? Why was this even a priority for him. But she had no reason not to believe her dad when he said that this was the best thing for her. And even though she was upset, she decided to listen to him. But the weird thing is, he tells Ellie not to tell anyone about her mom going away. Even her family. He tells her that she cannot tell her mother's family where she is. He also tells her that she cannot even visit her mom or reach out to her until Jeff knows more about her condition. Dad said that she had been taken away, taken to a mental institution, the hospital. He did not want me visiting her until she was better. So Ellie ends up asking him if he can tell her at least where her mom is. And all he offers up is that she's been taken somewhere down south. Even details about which parking lot he took her to were pretty confusing. Sometimes he said the Aldi parking lot. Other times it was the parking lot at Price Chopper. And during this time, Ellie decided to continue staying with her boyfriend at his parents' house. She was very close with Zach and his family, and they didn't hesitate to let her stay with them. But during this whole time, she was frequently asking her dad about her mom and her condition. Of course, she wanted to know when her mom was going to be coming back, and he never really had an answer for her. And even though the two of them were fighting the last time they saw each other. Of course, she had so much love and respect for her mom. And she knew that her mom felt the same way that she did. And she was very worried about her during this time and curious about what was going on. So then July 16th, 2019, Ellie gets another text from her dad and she's staying with her boyfriend at this time. And this is about a month after he originally said that she was taken to the mental hospital. And he texts her again and says, we need to talk. So then Jeff drives over to Zach's house and meets Ellie in the driveway and tells her that her mom has had a stroke and died. Can you imagine getting this news so casually? from your father out in the driveway. She said she immediately kind of crouched down and that the world went fuzzy and she couldn't even wrap her head around what she was being told. He drove over to Fairway, Kansas at 30 at night and he told me Angela died of a stroke. He didn't say mom either. He said Angela. And of course, I fell to my knees in the, in the driveway and blacked out. Um, and then he went over and told Zach. I mean, she was in total shock. She didn't even have words. She could barely process what she had just heard. Losing her mom was beyond devastating for Ellie. She 
just could not believe that the last time she saw her was the last time. Being an only child, of course, she was extremely close with her mom. And when Jeff tells her this news, obviously she's feeling incredibly sad, lonely, and shocked sitting there in the driveway. And Jeff just drives off. That's right. He just drives away, leaves his daughter there to process this news. So she goes back inside and she's totally confused, trying to process what she's just heard. She's trying to grieve and she's being comforted by Zach and his family. And the next day, Zach's parents decide to invite Jeff over to see if they can get a little bit more clarification. And he explains that someone in the hospital found Angela unresponsive, but that's all he knew. And then he tells Ellie that he doesn't want her telling Angela's family what has happened to her, which leaves Ellie feeling incredibly confused, of course. He said that he would tell them eventually, but not until he was ready. This obviously didn't make a lot of sense to Ellie, but she figured that her dad had good intentions behind not wanting them to know yet. And she decided to respect this. And again, keep in mind, Ellie didn't have any reason to believe that her dad would be making any of this up. And what was also incredibly strange is Jeff didn't want to have any type of funeral or memorial service for Angela. This obviously really upset Ellie and confused her, but she didn't want to upset her dad any further by asking him a lot of questions. She thought that you know, kind of pressing him on the whole situation would only push him further away. And at this point, she didn't want to lose another parent. She thought that this was his strange way of grieving and trusted that things would eventually be okay. And he decided that he wanted some space to grieve. So Ellie continued to stay with Zach and his family. But of course, the more time went on, things just did not settle right for Ellie. She just felt that something was off. She didn't feel satisfied about the amount of details that Jeff provided on her mother's death. She still had a ton of unanswered questions and just didn't understand what had actually happened. She wanted to know where Angela was when she died, what day was it exactly, who was with her, and how did Jeff find out? The more she sat on these questions, the more things felt wrong. The more things did not make sense to her. And Jeff could never give her the exact answers to the questions that she had. Either he would change his responses or he would leave out details and leave things incredibly vague. The parking lot is a great example of this. I mean, if he drove her to a parking lot under such intense circumstances and had mental health people come pick her up, wouldn't he know exactly what parking lot that was? Like I said earlier, he changed his story about which parking lot this was several times and couldn't land on an exact location. And he said that the reason he couldn't remember details is because he was busy with work at the time. He would tell her, you know, I'll think about it and I'll let you know if I remember. So that brings us to February of 2020. Many months had passed and Ellie was still upset and totally confused by what her dad was telling her. And she had no closure at this point. She didn't even have basic answers about what happened to her mom. And at this point, Jeff was still telling Ellie not to tell Angela's family what had happened to her because it wasn't her place. But by February, she could not handle keeping that information from them any longer. And she decided to be the one to break the news to them. So in February, I finally told my mom's side of the family what happened and I had never talked to him before that and so to like start out a relationship with that side of the family that was really hard also like I had been going to be professional this whole time like a therapist and a psychiatrist we had like slowly worked through all the feelings of grief and my dad had told his family a few months later. So I saw some progress, but at the same time, it was bugging me too much that he didn't tell that side of the family. And so I just did it anyways, even though I knew he was super pissed about it. So there were a lot of like really hard emotions to overcome. I wish I'd done it sooner. That's obviously my biggest regret. 
And I know it might feel kind of strange to some of you that Ellie waited eight months to tell them what happened, but it's important to remember that Jeff had a type of control over her that made it extremely difficult for her to go against him. Anyone who has been in a controlling relationship knows what this is like. And something else that's important to remember here is that Angela was a very private person. She spent a lot of her time at home and didn't communicate with many people outside of her immediate family. Angela would go through periods of time where she wouldn't contact her family for months. So it wasn't unusual to them at all that they hadn't heard from her all that time. So eventually Ellie decides that it's time to make that call to her aunt Catherine and tell her the news. She called her on February 13th, 2020. And the first minute that she tried to talk to her aunt. She couldn't even speak. She just cried. Finally, she tells Catherine that her sister had died. Immediately, she is upset. And right away, right after hearing this, her daughter, Michelle, who's Ellie's cousin, calls her. I had just gotten home from work and I called my mom and my mom picked up and said, hang on, Ellie, your cousin is on the other line. And she just told me her mom died. And so I was like, oh my God, okay, like go talk to her. She's still very confused about the details because of course Ellie's confused. Everyone's confused at this point. So Michelle hears the news and while she's waiting for more information from her mom, she immediately jumps into action. She starts looking at flights back to Kansas. She figures her whole family's going to have to go back and make funeral arrangements for Angela. When she hung up, I was trying to think of um, like, okay, I need to tell work that I need to take off. Um, my brothers need to take off school. Like, how can we help with funeral arrangements? Um, but then I called my mom back and she was just silent. Um, she was just in complete shock. But when her mom calls her back, she's incredibly confused because she tells her that Ellie just told her that this happened back in July. It's now February. And she just finds out that her aunt died back in July, July 16th, 2019, and none of them knew. And she told me Ellie was crying and kept saying that her mom died on the 16th and kept repeating the 16th. But then my mom walked over the calendar on the wall and said, it's only February 13th. How could your mom have died on the 16th? And then Ellie said, no, July 16th of last year, so seven months ago. And my mom was in shock and actually ended up having to go to the hospital because she thought she was having a heart attack. So um, I called Ellie to see if I could find out what was going on. But Ellie explained to Catherine that it was her father, Jeff's decision not to tell them and that she was trying to respect his wishes. And Catherine starts thinking about the last time she spoke to Angela and she realizes that she had tried to call her a few times over the last summer and she had never heard back from her. But again, this wasn't super unusual for Angela. She would go through these periods of not talking to family. So she didn't think anything of it. So Michelle decides to call Ellie and talk to her and see if she can get any more clarification on Angela's death. Ellie explained to her kind of the timeline of how everything happened, how she and her mom had this fight and her mom actually kicked her out and she went to go stay with her boyfriend, Zach and how her dad just told her about this so casually a month later. When I spoke to Ellie, we basically just went back to the very beginning and Ellie told me that the last time she saw her mom in person was June, 2019. And she and her mom had gotten into like a small insignificant argument. Now, Michelle, who is a corporate lawyer, is immediately very confused and suspicious about everything that Ellie is telling her. I mean, this is not adding up. And when Ellie explains to her that, according to Jeff, Angela was essentially snatched out of a parking lot by a group of mental health people, she knew something was incredibly wrong here. This immediately raised a red flag to me and I was like, what? Like, there's no way they would be able to do this without some sort of like court order or judge approval. And if they did indeed think that my aunt was so dangerous that she needed to be ambushed and then taken away, the last place they would do that was be in like a public place where innocent bystanders could get hurt. So I thought this was so bizarre. But um, Ellie said that she asked Jeff where her mom was taken to and Jeff just wouldn't tell her the name of the hospital or anything. And all he said that Angela was down south and um, Ellie asked to visit her mom many times and her dad, Jeff, just kept saying no, like you need to wait until your mom gets better before you can see her. So of course, Michelle has a lot of questions trying to make sense of all this. And she starts asking Ellie and Ellie doesn't know the answer to 
any of these questions. And one of the questions was specifically about the death certificate. I asked Ellie if there was a funeral or memorial for Angie and Ellie said there wasn't. She said her dad didn't want one. I asked her which hospital Angie died at. Ellie said she didn't know. Her dad wouldn't tell her. I asked where Angela's body was. Like, was she cremated or buried? Ellie said she didn't know. Um, I asked if there was an autopsy performed. Ellie said she didn't know. So finally, I asked if there was a death certificate. And Ellie asked, what's a death certificate? So I explained to her um, how a death certificate could tell us when her mom died, how she died, who signed off on the death, and uh, why this was like such an important document to get. So the next day, we set out to get it. So the next day, February 14th, Ellie takes a day off of school, and she drives to the Office of Vital Statistics in Topeka, Kansas. She was hoping to get the death certificate for her mom, but after a short wait, the clerk comes back, and all she has record of is Angela and Jeff's marriage license. There was no death certificate on record, and that's when Ellie knew that she had to confront her dad. When the clerk couldn't pull up the death certificate, my stomach sank. Like, I immediately knew something was wrong. I kind of have, like, gut feelings about where things have happened. Like, I feel like something happened at my house. I feel like something happened in the state of Kansas. For her to not be able to find it, I just was like, okay, something's, like, actually wrong here. She tells Michelle that there is no death certificate. And when Michelle hears that there is no death certificate, she is certain that there is more to this story than they are being told. I was suspicious about the circumstances of Angela's passing as soon as I got off the phone with Ellie because I just thought, like, what is going on? Why would Jeff keep this secret from us? And like, why won't he tell his daughter any details about her mom's death? And our families had grown apart a little bit after we moved away from Kansas, but to not be notified about something so serious and like immediately was just incredibly strange to me. This is immediately when I knew something was very, very wrong because at this point there was only three possible things that could have happened. Um, one, Angela had died in another state and that we would find her death certificate in that state. Uh, two, Angela had died and authorities were never alerted of it. Or three, Angela was still alive. So the next day, February 15th, Ellie decides to go and confront her dad. She goes to his house to talk to him and she asks him what state her mother died in. Of course, he tells her Kansas and then she tells him that that is not true because she went and looked for the death certificate and there was not one. So then he says, hmm, maybe it was actually Missouri. I mean, remember, they are right on that state line, but you would know where your wife died, right? He says, maybe Missouri, but I'm going to need to think about it. So after this conversation with her dad, Ellie calls her aunt and cousin and lets them know. And that's when they decide that they need to call the Prairie Village Police Department and ask for a welfare check. The police arrived at 453, but there was no answer when they knocked on the front door. So they went door to door asking neighbors if they had seen Angela recently, but none of the neighbors had seen Angela in months. And some of them even told police that they thought she went back to China. She might've gone and taken her daughter to go home to visit for quite a while. One of the neighbors even noted that Angela normally helped maintain this small island of plants at the intersection across from their home. But around July, they noticed that she stopped and the plants began to die, which is just incredibly eerie. They also said that every year, Angela, who was big on patriotism, would put American flags up at this little island of plants. And that July was the first time that she didn't do it. Angela wasn't really particularly close with any of the neighbors, but they did know her and they knew that she had a lot of pride in her garden and their home and the way it looked. And so several neighbors told police that they noticed that their lawn and their garden just wasn't looking the way that it normally did. It looked like it hadn't been touched in a long time. So eventually Jeff returns home and officers were able to ask him about Angela. And when he's asked about Angela, Jeff does not tell them that she 
died from a stroke in the mental hospital. He says that she was out for the weekend partying with friends. Ellie could not believe that her dad actually gave them this answer. Doesn't make any sense. And they're even more confused than ever at this point. So on the 18th, Ellie actually decides to go into the police station and file a missing persons report with Zach's mom. And coincidentally, while she's at the station, she ends up getting a call from her dad. So she puts the phone on speaker so the officers can hear. So the audio from this call is really, really long. It's very interesting though. I'm going to include some of it, but if you want to hear the majority of it, you can actually check it out on Sarah Turney's podcast, Voices for Justice, which is fantastic. And you should be listening to it if you are not already. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of Alyssa Turney's case, Sarah's sister. I had done a video on it a while back. It was actually my first family involved video. And Sarah has done incredible things since we first did that video. And that case is actually going to trial very soon. And there's a lot of eerie similarities between this case and Alyssa Turney's case. And so many of you have asked for an update on Alyssa's case. Right now, Sarah is not doing any interviews or speaking about the case at all because of the upcoming trial, but one day we will record a video together. We've actually stayed in touch over the years. We are good friends. And I highly recommend Voices for Justice. Everything that Sarah has done is so, so impressive. And she's helped so many other people get their stories out there. So please check that out. I will have it linked below and you can hear more of the audio. So Jeff starts out by telling Ellie that he was at work when he initially got a call that Angela was at the hospital being checked for her mental health. He says that he was told he couldn't go and see her until the evaluation was done and that he was going to go see her the following week. He also said he didn't know what hospital she was at at this point, but he said he expected to get a call at some point when Angela was ready for visitors with that information. But instead of getting that call, he said he instead gets a call three weeks later saying that she died of a stroke. Then he adds that he got another call about making arrangements for her body and that someone came by to pick up cash for her cremation. But when he looked in the urn that he got for Angela, he found that it was empty. He also casually mentions that he thinks he may have seen Angela walking around their neighborhood, around their neighbor's yard that September. And then he says he didn't think much of it and that it's possible it was someone who looked like Angela. He even said that he felt like things in the house didn't always look right. Like sometimes there was a drawer left open or dirt tracked into the house that he doesn't remember tracking into the house. And all of this just confused Ellie even more. He was hinting that he had possibly seen her, that maybe she was still alive. So she asks him why he would have her taken in for mental health treatment. And he says that he lied because he didn't want Ellie to think she ran off with someone else. He said that he did it to protect her. But at this point, all Ellie wanted was the truth. And she knew she just wasn't getting it. She was more suspicious of her father than ever. What about the story you told me about like taking her from a parking lot and I didn't want you to think that she had run off with some stranger to do something, and um, I thought it would be... Uh, well, Dad, you know I want the truth. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the truth is that she um, kind of disappeared. I didn't want you to think that she but, you know, run off and gone somewhere. So, Towards the end of the call, Ellie reiterates that all she wants from him is the truth. No matter how difficult... It would be for her to hear. She just wants to know what really happened to her mom. Well, I hope you're telling the truth. And I just want to know the truth. As bad as it is, like, it stresses everybody out. So just tell yes, me just tell me as soon as possible. Like, seriously, it's so not fair. You know, I'm her daughter. She loves me. She would want me to know the truth. So I don't want any fabrication of stories anymore. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. Even if you're trying to protect me, just tell me the truth. Yes, I will. So after hearing this, Prairie Village police decide to go to Jeff's again and follow up on the details of this call. But when they get there, Jeff 
says nothing. And instead, he hands them the business card of his criminal defense attorney. And from that point on, Angela was considered and is considered to this day a missing person. Police began by looking at mental health facilities across the state and hospitals as well to see if there was anyone there that matched Angela's description. They also checked death records in every state and nothing came up. They also looked into the possibility that maybe Angelo did go back to China, but Homeland Security found no hits on her passport. And this didn't even feel like a possibility to Ellie because in the 20 plus years that her mom had lived in America, she had not once ever talked about wanting to go back to China. Even the idea that her mom possibly ran away did not seem like a possibility to Ellie. She knew that she would not leave her. Angela loved Ellie more than anything in the world. And anyone who knew them would agree. She would not have just picked up and left without saying something to her first. And it was at this time that Ellie and her cousin Michelle decided that they needed to get to the bottom of things. They wanted to figure out what really happened to Angela, and they decided to be the spokeswomen for this case. So at that point, Ellie begins recording all of her phone calls with her dad. She and Michelle started planning out exactly what she would ask him every time that they would talk on the phone, and they would even have different plans for how she would respond based on what he said. Ellie had also written down everything that her father did tell her up until that point. So that way, if he said something that contradicted a previous statement, she would be equipped with a response. So after the call that she received from her dad at the police station, she really could not follow the story at all. She was totally confused. I mean, at that point, he was saying that she had just left on her own. But Ellie wanted an explanation for everything that had happened from the point that her and her mother got in that argument on June 19th. So she calls Jeff again and asks him for a more detailed timeline. So can you start from the beginning? Like after she told me to leave, like, you know, June 19th, like how did she act after she threw the flowers at me and I backed out of the driveway and left? Like, how was she? Just same as she'd been before that. Um, from what I saw, she was building her her nest to, to stay in and not contacting anybody, not wanting to talk to anybody or go anywhere, do anything. Then he says after months of trying to get her to get help for her mental health, she would either need to voluntarily check herself in for treatment or he would have her taken in involuntarily. I told her that she needs to get checked in. She can either get checked out voluntarily and go or she can be forced to go get checked out. So Ellie moves on and asks when the last time he saw Angela was. Jeff says he remembers their fight, but as for when she actually left, he doesn't know. So then when was the last time you saw mom? Uh... Gosh, I don't know. Um, I didn't write it down. I'd have to go. How many days after I was kicked out did she leave? For like, was it hours or a day? Oh, remember everything about you getting kicked out other than um, she kicked you out. And I went in and told her, that this is it. It's gone too far. You need to stop. This is what has to happen. Um, but as far as what day it was, I don't know. He says that he was trying to remember whether she left before the 4th of July or after. But it immediately struck her as odd because July 4th is quite a few days from June 23rd when he originally says that Angela was out of the house seeking mental health care. On June 23rd, that was a Friday, like after she had kicked me out, you told me the front door was open. You're welcome to come back in anytime. So I thought that she had been taken away and that it was safe to come back. And I I didn't think she was coming back into the house like you said yesterday. I didn't think that she was still doing that. Like, if I had known, I wouldn't be coming back because I know, like, I don't want to be in that situation. Ellie even has to outright ask her dad why he did not call the police or file a missing persons report when she left. But he says that she had left before and he figured she would come back. And about halfway through the call, Ellie brings up the cremation again. And this time she tells Jeff that in order for someone to be cremated, there has to be a death certificate. And after that, 11 seconds go by 
of silence. So Ellie speaks again and asks him, knowing how inquisitive you are, dad, why did you not ask any more questions about her cremation, about what hospital she was at? Even the name of the person that you were speaking to would be information that you would normally ask for. In response, he says that it was a hard time and that he paid in cash, that he primarily just spoke to this person over the phone and that he was in shock. And when the call was wrapping up, Ellie mentions his lawyer and he says that he got the lawyer because he didn't know what to say to the police and because he didn't know if he was being considered a suspect. You got a lawyer, right? Uh, yes. Like to protect yourself? Right. I do not have a lawyer for anything else. I got the lawyer because I don't know what to say to the police. They don't know what the police are thinking and whether they think that I'm somebody that can help and they want to talk to me to get some helpful ideas or whether they don't want to talk to me because I'm the prime suspect and they know that something terrible has happened and none of the rest of us do. I don't know. So that's why I had an attorney. And again, of course, this call does not satisfy what Ellie is looking for. So they had another call on February 22nd and this time Ellie was a lot more direct. And in this call, Jeff goes on and on about how he is the primary suspect. And he says that this is because close family members are always considered the suspect, especially spouses. He even talks about how the police are trying to manipulate Ellie against him. They look at the closest person as primary suspect, and that doesn't change until they find someone or something else. I'm the closest person, so I'm the primary suspect. They work very hard to make it um, so that the primary suspect, people that would assist or help or make them feel better, turn against them. So, Well, I haven't turned against you at all. I'm just, I mean, I still haven't gotten over the fact that you've lied to me and said that mom was taken away when she was actually disappeared or dead or whatever, so. Okay, well, keep that in mind that whatever... They're saying is to manipulate you to make my life more, more miserable because they eventually want me so isolated that I begin to think of the police as friends. Jeff also says on the call that she needs to be skeptical about everything, including him. And he also tells her that this isn't the first time that Angela has done something like this, but he won't go into any further detail about what that means. And if Angela had disappeared before, or if there were any other instances that were similar to this, but Ellie says that she can't remember a single time that her mom just randomly left them. Then Ellie decides to ask him how Angela would be living on her own if she didn't have a job if she didn't have any financial support. And that's when Jeff mentions that maybe she got a job. So police did an extensive search to see if she had gotten a job anywhere, but they cannot find any record of Angela getting a job. There's also been no activity on Jeff's bank account from Angela. And in the two plus decades that she has lived in America, she's never created her own bank account. So Jeff mentions that maybe she has a friend helping her, but many people doubt this because she is such an isolated person. She didn't use social media. She rarely left the house on her own, like I mentioned before. So having some mysterious friend, as Jeff has said, just does not seem plausible to Ellie and Michelle at all. Now, despite Jeff being very wishy-washy about whether or not he thinks Angela is alive or out there somewhere, he's kind of been 50-50 about it. It seems for the most part that he seems to believe that Angela met someone and ran off with them to avoid getting mental health treatment. So Ellie has another call with her father on February 24th. And this time Ellie is very straightforward with her dad that she does not believe the stories that he has been telling her. And that's when Jeff says he doesn't have any evidence to help her believe him and that people disappear all the time. Well, she didn't use any Amtrak. She hasn't used any airplane. She hasn't been out of the country. She hasn't gone anywhere. There is no record of that. People disappear all the time. That's all I can say on your, your analysis of things. So Ellie keeps pressing him about why he hasn't filed his own missing persons report. Also, his 
general way of just leaving it all up to the police seems weird to her. Why is he not more involved and wanting to find her? Why is he seemingly so okay with Angela just leaving and going off with someone else or doing something else with her life? Again, there's even more audio that you can listen to. I will have Voices for Justice linked below so you can access all of that and take a listen for yourself because it's really interesting. But Ellie's contact with her father sort of ends after this. So there was a search of their home in March of 2020, and this had police believing that they were still investigating a missing persons case, meaning there was no immediate evidence that made them believe that Angela had been met with any type of foul play or anything like that. And in the initial search of the green home, police found her purse, her wallet, her license, her keys, and her Chinese passport. Obviously, just getting up and leaving without these items would be very difficult for Angela. But it also doesn't prove that she was hurt in any way. The second search was conducted on March 11th, 2020 at two different locations. The first was a storage unit that Jeff would keep all these vintage cars. And the second was another search of their home. And as for what turned up in these searches, we don't know. That is information that the police are keeping. But based on the current state of this case, it's safe to assume that no major discoveries were made. All the police have been able to say at this point is that they are still investigating this as a missing persons case. Also, a large piece of property was searched by more than 70 law enforcement officers. They searched through wooded areas, a pond, and stopped several trucks passing through the area. So that brings us to December of 2020, and Ellie actually made a pretty interesting discovery that month. Back in December of 2019, Jeff actually purchased a new home in Lawrence, Kansas. He kept their Prairie Village home, but he moved himself into this new place. So in December of 2019, Ellie goes and visits him. And while she's visiting this new home, she was walking through the backyard and she noticed that there was some kind of disturbed soil in the backyard. And at the time, Ellie was actually working with two private investigators that she was connected with through Dr. Phil, which she was on the Dr. Phil show. I will link a couple clips below. I can't use any of them because... As we know, Dr. Phil is very strict about copyright. But anyway, she starts working with these private investigators. And there's actually a great interview with them that is available on YouTube. I will also link that below. But anyway, she collects samples of this soil and sends it into them. They test it and they say that cadaver dogs positively identified all three samples for human remains. This information was obviously handed off to the police who then get a search warrant for this new home in Lawrence. But when they went to execute the search warrant, Jeff didn't answer the door. But because of the warrant, they have the right to just enter the property. So they do. And they go in and they find Jeff locked in the bathroom, blasting the radio. And this is disappointing, but in terms of the search itself, police say that cadaver dogs were not available that day, so they had to dig around themselves, which is frustrating. I mean, why would they not just wait until they do have access to cadaver dogs? I don't know. And there are no specific details available about this search at this time. However, it doesn't appear that any major evidence wasn't covered during the search. So that brings us to Thanksgiving of 2021. Ellie goes to Brad and Marva's house for Thanksgiving, which is her dad's brother and sister. And she actually showed up unannounced and ran into her father. She said she went there hoping to find more answers about her mom, because she feels that they all know more than they are saying. Her aunt tells her that she doesn't know much more information about Angela and that she doesn't remember the last time that she saw her. Eventually, when her dad showed up that evening, she was really surprised to see him. At that point, the two of them had totally stopped speaking and Jeff even changed the locks on their Prairie Village house. So Ellie can't go in there anymore. And when he spoke to her, he maintained that Angela ran away. So Michelle and Ellie have worked incredibly hard trying to find answers about what actually happened to Angela. They've reached out to so many different podcasts, creators, shows, trying to get as much coverage and awareness for Angela Green as possible. And Angela's case was unfortunately declared a cold case in July of 2020, but that only encouraged Ellie and Michelle to ramp things up. I know that I felt so defeated. I think Ellie did too, but I knew that I had to keep fighting for answers. So Ellie and I decided to go public with our story in hopes of someone knowing something and um, speaking up to help move the case forward. I've also 
sent like hundreds of emails to news stations, magazines, true crime YouTubers, podcasters, television shows, just trying to get the word out about my aunt as much as possible. And I also started a TikTok telling our story to raise awareness about my aunt's case. Ellie has done several interviews, including the one with Dr. Phil that I mentioned, where she explains her mom's story. And even though Ellie believes that her mom is no longer alive, she knows that someone knows something. And the more people who hear this story, the better chance they have at learning the truth. We had someone who's doing a documentary who wanted to do a documentary reach out to us. And so that's going to create additional awareness. Ellie even went as far as competing in the Miss Colorado USA pageant in hopes that the exposure would draw more attention to her mom's case. Competing in this pageant was also a dream of Angela's. My mom and I watched every pageant together. And Angela would tell Ellie that she had everything it took to be one of those women. The beautiful thing about the Miss Universe organization is they have created platforms across the world for their title holders to spread a message, to build awareness, to try to make change. The excitement and also the reasons I'm doing this, they cancel out those nerves. The Miss Colorado USA pageant gives contestants like Ellie a platform a platform Ellie hopes to share with her mother. I'm advocating for my mom because she doesn't have a voice. So let's talk about call to action and how you guys can help. Right now, Angela's case is still considered to be a cold case. Police say that they have exhausted their resources and until new information is found or new evidence is brought forward, she will remain a missing person. And I think we can all agree that everything that Ellie and Michelle have done is so commendable. I mean, this is not easy for Ellie to do these interviews, to talk about what happened to her mom and to, you know, rehash these details over and over. But her dedication to finding out what happened to Angela is strong. But in order to continue their investigation, they need help. The resources that they need may be extremely helpful but they're also extremely expensive. And so they have created a GoFundMe and it will be linked down below. And I know that Ellie, Michelle, and Angela would really appreciate anyone who can contribute, no matter how much that is. I will be making a personal donation on behalf of this channel, but anything that you can offer, I know would be so appreciated by them. They have told me a little bit about the expenses that lie ahead and it's a lot. So they are really going to need help. They've kind of had to stop and start a few times over the years when funds have run out. So I would be so grateful if we can give them the boost to get the right team in place and, you know, find the answers that Ellie deserves, that Angela deserves. We set up a GoFundMe because we currently don't have enough money to hire lawyers to help with our case. And sharing and donating to our GoFundMe would make a huge difference right now. Um, and that's our top priority because we're really trying to get the lawsuit going. Um, the GoFundMe is probably the first thing I check every single morning, the last thing I check before I go to bed. And we also set up a petition to demand justice for my aunt. It's completely free to sign and it's a great way to show support. Um, we're trying to be a, as vocal as my aunt's case as possible. And for whatever reason, Jeff wanted Ellie to stay quiet and for Angela to be forgotten about. But that's the last thing that I'll let happen. I get a lot of DMs and stories from people. And it's really, really cool to see that even if I don't figure out what happened, that I am helping people along the way. Also, awareness is huge in this case. Any information that you can share with people via social media or maybe just word of mouth would be extremely helpful, whether it's sharing this video or sharing another interview or just creating your own tweet or you know Facebook post about the case is all very helpful. Also, if you have any information that could lead investigators in the right direction or just happen to have a tip, I will have information of how to get that tip to the right people in the description box. I will also link any social media that has been created for Angela's case so that you can follow it, you know, offer support to the family and stay up to date on anything that's going on in Angela's case. Unfortunately, that is where things leave us for now. Angela is considered a missing person and hopefully eventually Ellie and Michelle will get those answers that her and her whole family deserve. Please make sure to leave comments with your thoughts on this case. Make sure to leave encouraging, kind words for Ellie and Michelle. Thank you both for being part of this video. I know it is not easy to go over all of this. 
That is going to be it for me today, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode. And make sure you follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really does help me out. If you want to watch the video version of this show, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which will be linked, or you can just search Kendall Ray. I will be back with another episode soon, but until then, stay safe out there.